Alrighty, folks, we are back at it again with episode 22 of A Coach and a Lawyer podcast. I uh, appreciate all the listeners out there coming back for another great episode of us out here doing a thing. Uh, this is uh, one of the hosts of the show, the coach, Deuce Booker, with my main man, CJ Donald. How's it going? How you doing, brother? Episode 22, back at it. Deuce, deuce. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this episode. I think... Uh, We've developed some really good stuff to be able to talk about to the folks uh, on this week. Um, definitely some stuff that hopefully, you know, feel free, listeners, to tweet at us. And, you know, we can debate back and forth because um, I think there's definitely some controversial stuff that we're kind of discussing here. So, yeah, man, we'll I see think what happens. Uh, we're going to not only have a good episode this week, but we got some good ones lined up for you in the future. So. Yeah, yeah, we got a big announcement coming in at the end of the podcast about some direction that we're going to be taking with the podcast for this summer. So stay tuned uh, and be ready for that. And then uh, one last thing before we get started, just want to point out that I was correct. The Cavs did not sweep the Celtics. Hey, man. I think hey, I man, may have been. Don't be doing that. Get into the podcast. I'm just saying, I think I may have been like the only person with the podcast show to actually go out on the limb and say that they're not going to sweep them. Yeah, no, you're right. I I will admit that last week I was very, very much uh, dismissive of your opinion that the Cavs would do a four to one, you know, gentleman sweep as they call it, over yeah. the Boston Celtics. And look at us; we are in a situation where the Cavs are currently up three to one. They lost. Uh, <laughs> they lost game three, won game four. So they, but okay, did they really win game four? Did Kyrie just decide to? Just put Steph Curry on notice, but we can talk about that later. I, you know, I think Kyrie is one of the top point guards of the last ten years, and so I think Kyrie's doing what he does. Uncle Drew out there making it work. But you know what? That's sports talk. So let's go ahead and get into it. Episode twenty-two of a coach and a lawyer. He's Deuce Booker, the coach. I'm the lawyer, C.J. Donald. Cue the music. Alrighty, folks, as usual, we have up first the 3-1 lead segment. Um, so, up on the 3-1 lead couch this week, out on the West Coast, Mr. Fly High Guy himself, Clay Thompson. Yes, you, my friend, are up on the 3-1 lead couch. Um, so, here's the thing, Clay. You have two former MVPs on your team. So, what does that mean for you? Nobody's going to be double teaming you. Nobody's going to be really be focused on you. You are the fourth best player on your team, or third best, depending on, you know, who's arguing for you there. Um, I currently think you're the fourth best because of the way you're performing. So, here's the thing, Clay. When Steph and KD are getting double teamed and getting helped on, guess what that means? You just need to stand over there in the corner or at the top of the key, drain in threes, and you haven't been doing so. So, uh, yeah, Clay Thompson, you've been blowing it. This has been your season, or at least during the playoffs, your time to just straight up shine because we all know that Clay, not Clay, Steph and KD are definitely going to get their looks, and you, my friend, are just not doing well, and that is just crazy to me because out of all the people that should be doing well in the playoffs right now, you should be averaging at least 20 easily. Heck, you should just have 20-point quarters and then be able to sit the rest of the night, but you have yet to do well this entire playoff. So, Hey, maybe you're just waiting for the finals to try to get finals MVP, which if you're doing that, smart move by you. But I honestly think, Clay, you're just not performing well. So, you know what, Clay? Do better. Suck less. Score more, you dingus. Wait, so so you're saying that, Coach, you're saying that Clay Thompson has blown a 3-1 to one lead, a, a huge lead because he is not playing as good as he could be playing on this Warriors team? Yes, exactly. He has KD and Steph. Okay. Do you Both are two former MVPs. How are, are his numbers not better? Okay, so do you think this is the case for the regular season or just the playoffs? Like, what are you thinking about that? I'm I'm solely talking playoffs here. Yeah, oh, regular okay. season is gone. Bye bye. Okay, well, we ain't, we talk, we ain't talking about play, regular season anymore. We talking about playoffs. <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, I'll say this real quick. Right, he's been in the league since 2011. And he has increased his points per game every single season. First came into the league averaging 16 points a game. He averaged, I think, 22.1 points a game last year, 22.3 points per game this year. But your point is well taken. 
Uh, we'll go down the 12 games he's played so far in the 2017 playoffs, and he's only scored above 20 points two times. He had 24 points in game three of the first round, and he had 21 points in game four of the conference semifinals against Houston. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of this probably is the fact that they're blowing teams out, right? So in these games where it's kind of close, I mean, he is showing up. It's just the fact that he doesn't have to, I think. And I wonder, is that a function of him being soft or sorry? Or is that just a function of the fact that he doesn't have to play as hard right now? What do you think? I don't even think it's a matter of playing hard because I think his defense is exceptional. Exceptional. I just think it's a matter of him not making shots. And I don't really have a clue as to why he's not knocking down shots because the looks are there. He's just not hitting them. And it's just one of those things where if you're one of the you know greatest shooters ever to play the game, you can't be having this long of a drought and expect your team to go out there and win the finals. Like, yes, people try to point the finger at Steph and KD and maybe even Draymond um, for the Warriors if they lose in the finals. But I think if Clay continues to perform the way that he does and they don't win, somebody better be pointing a couple fingers at Clay. So I want to say that I want to apologize to you because I was initially going to blow you up on this and ask you what the heck you wanted Clay to do. I mean, he is, I think, probably the fourth best player on that team. Clay could go somewhere else, right, and be. Um, probably the one or two option, but I don't think so. You don't think so? Well, we can we can talk about that another time. But <laughs> I mean, he yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think Clay could go somewhere else and be a number one or number two offensive option. But on this Golden State Warriors team right now, he's playing behind Kevin Durant, who probably is the second best player in the league right now. He's playing behind Steph Curry, who is probably the best pure shooter of the last twenty five years. And yeah, right after me. And then you got Dray right after you. And then you got Draymond Green, who, let's face it, is probably the best defender this season. And he turns that defense into offense so many times. But I think your point about how Clay has not like actually done well as a percentage is something we should look at. And I wonder, is that going to be the case as Draymond gets more and more involved in the offense? Remember last season when Steve, when Steve Kerr uh, wasn't coaching for the first half of the season? Mm-hmm. There was a market increase in Draymond's like role in the offense, and Draymond shooting more threes. Draymond has the ball in his hands more. He's not going right. to block as much. But when Steve Kerr's in out there coaching, he wants Draymond to put his butt on the block and get rebounds and get what's kind of given to him, not take as much. Yeah. But with that though, the ball comes out of out of Clay's hands more, and and so Katie and Steph still get their touches, but Clay's touches go down. So. True. The question. Oh, for, hey, hot take, hot take. The question Warriors. for you. Oh, here we go. Here we go. The question for you, Coach, is is this. Are the Warriors going to lose the finals if Steve Kerr isn't around because Draymond will be doing too much, Clay will be doing too little, and Steph will fall by the wayside as he has done in the finals over the last two years? Hot take time. Hot take. All right. Little Caesars, five, $5 pizza. Hot and ready, folks. Here we go. Come ready. and get it. Yeah, here we go. Hide and ready. Hide and ready. Um, so here's my take on how the finals go, assuming that they play the Cavs. I mean, that's probably going to happen. All right. They're going to play the Warriors in the first game. Cavs are going to blow them out. Game one. Game two, Steve Kerr's going to be like, you know what? My back actually isn't that bad. Mike Brown, you've done a swell job so far, but <laughs> all right. We've seen have you done in the finals before. Um, time for Daddy to take over. So Steve Kerr's going to come in. They're going to play well game two and lose by 10 or less. So now the Warriors are down 0-2, and then they'll go ahead and Ooh. win the next four. Wow. So you think the Warriors will lose two games at home? They'll lose the first two and then go off and win four. I think – wow. Okay, so we're getting ahead of ourselves, right, because the Cavaliers, as of this recording of the podcast, have not clinched their, their ticket to the finals yet. Or have they? Are we recording in the future <laughs> and just now putting it back in time? Well, I don't want to jinx the Cavs, right? But I – well, I do, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's because you're a hater. Anyway, if we assume that the Cavaliers are facing off against the Golden State Warriors in this year's uh, finals, I think they'll split the first two games, and then whoever wins the next three, I think will win uh, the best of seven. I think it will go seven games this year. I mean, and people are out there saying, oh, the Cavs are going to get pummeled. 
They have way better people than uh, than the Cavs. People forget in twenty what was it twenty fifteen? LeBron James took a team without Kyrie Irving and without Kevin Love to six games against the Warriors, who were at full strength. Uh, last year, the Warriors it took them seven games and they still lost at home against the Cavaliers. And they yeah, had, they were they were at full strength for all except for one game. All right. Yeah, that one game could have been a difference. Anyway, um, yeah. Right, right. But if that one game would have been the difference, how come the game couldn't have been the difference in game seven at home? How come you lose game seven at home after there's you a, won 40 games there's at home? A, there's a thing called lemon booty. Right, right, exactly. So who's to say we won't see that this year? You know, I'm all in on the Cavaliers. I don't want to say what I think the outcome will be. I don't want to jinx it. But um, I think it'll be fun to watch. I have zero to lose in saying how I feel about it, so I didn't mind putting my little two cents out there. Well, hey, I appreciate it, but we should look out for Clay's production to go down as Draymond's production goes up. Very true, which could bring us to another hot and ready hot take. I know we didn't discuss this, and we're, I don't really care to talk about it too much, but are you one of those people who thinks that Steve Kerr uh, well, no, not Steve Kerr. Um, that Clay Thompson should be the first guy that the Warriors let go when they get to that point of having to start paying these guys. Oh my! Should they let, should they let Clay go? Ooh. Uh, wait. So you think out of anybody on that roster, the Warriors should be getting rid of Clay Thompson? I'm not saying. I'm asking you. Do you think they should? Just yes or no. We can talk about this at another time. Just one no, quick I, answer. I think it's appropriate here, especially since you brought up uh, the issue of Clay's like production. Mm-hmm. I think they you should. Can, do, I you think can they, find other shooters. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think when you have a rhythm with a guy, you have to keep him. I think that their team, as it is right now, is so good, and they shouldn't just like piss that away for a chance at another player that might be as good. So, Clay right now is in the second year of a four-year contract. He's a 17 mil next year, 18 mil year after that, and then 2019, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I think they should keep him for at least one more year, and maybe in year three, if it doesn't work out, trade him. Because here's the thing. They were only, what, 20 points from winning game six last year and winning a championship. Was it 10 points winning game seven, winning a championship? So they're right there. This year, they could win the championship. And if you win a championship, are you going to get rid of Klay Thompson? I mean, that's come on. He averaged 22 points a game this season. Hey, I'm under the Belichick rule. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, I'm not going to say that, but uh, there's an old terminology of do what you got to do and let him go. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So is it really – are you thinking that any man can be replaced in this system? And as long as they get somebody else that's a decent shooter, they'll be okay? Um, I think Clay's the guy that they can replace. I see. I don't, I don't think so. Okay, so we'll come back to this team chemistry thing later because I have a few questions for you like, as a coach about this. Uh, but I think it's super interesting. So, yeah, um, I know – you know, one of the things that you uh, want to discuss on a 3-1 lead, you have somebody that you want to put up on the 3-1 lead couch? Yeah, so, yeah, I do. I want to put the fans on the 3-1 lead. The fans had it all. They had it all. And now they want to just go and, and, and piss it away, you know. Uh, in, in the words of Belichick, F them and feed beans is what the fans want to do. Um, listen. This goes to a point that we discussed off air, but I think it's important for this. Fans want to replace like their best player or their second best player at the first sign of a game without that player. And I just don't understand it, right? So we mentioned this earlier. The Cavaliers lost to the Boston Celtics game three without Isaiah Thomas on the court. Isaiah Thomas, for those of you who know, um, he is the Celtics' best player. He gets about 39% of the usage on the offensive end of the ball for the Boston Celtics this year. Uh, very, very good player, but he's about 5'5". Five, five. You know, 5 feet, 5 inches tall. Probably weighs about 165. He's great at getting to the basket, good at shooting, but once again, he's shorter than me. I'm not in the NBA. He is. All right. Here's the thing. I saw not on Twitter. A, you're not in the NBA yet. Get I'm, it right. You're not in the NBA yet. One day, though. One day. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I might be, man. You know, stranger things have happened. Look at the election, you know. Uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. Fans want to get rid of this guy, and I just don't understand why. They want to trade Isaiah Thomas away. First of all, he's making very little money right now. They want to trade him away and get a better player or a better superstar. And this is my thing. It's working right now. I don't understand why you're trading him away. Why do you want to trade away the guy who is, like, literally buttering your bread? Also, the Spurs, all right? The Spurs played really good game four against the Warriors. Folks are out here saying that Spurs should get rid of Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard, as you know, hasn't played the last two games in this series against the Warriors. Now, the Spurs didn't even win that game, but they're out here saying, oh, let's get rid of Kawhi and bring in two more players that are just as good as him. This is, it's, one, it's so stupid. This really could have been our case closed because this is my argument. It's so dumb, really, to say, like, we're going to get rid of these players because you wouldn't have gotten there without them, first of all. The second point is this. It goes to why, like, the one-and-done culture in college basketball is hurting the quality of the sport. There's only one basketball on the court at a time. There are, only, there are five players, one basketball. So if you scored 92 points in your college or in your high school games every game, that ain't going to happen in college. It ain't going to happen in the NBA. What you really got to do is think about who can fit together on a team. So going back to Clay, he fits on that team. Isaiah fits on that Celtics team. Kawhi Leonard, he is the cornerstone of that Spurs team. These fans that want to get rid of them are just like playing 2K or NBA Live or whatever, and they don't really understand like what it means to make up a squad. Sure. Um, I think you are partially correct. Spurs fans do need to chill out there talking about getting rid of Kawhi. You're not going to find another Kawhi. You got pretty lucky finding the one that you got now. Right, um, right. But, but the Celtics fans, I would argue you can find a better Isaiah Thomas. Really? I, I really do think you can do that. I think I don't know if you're going to find one in this draft class, but I think you let go of Isaiah knowing, hey, we're not going to be able to pay you after this year. So you trade him bring in a couple bodies or draft picks or something and then draft well hope that that works out for you because again the draft is just a crapshoot and kind of just see where it goes from there um wait so do you think that i think boston's got bigger problems which we'll kind of bring up later you think boston can find a better player than isaiah thomas in the draft not maybe not this draft but in the draft in general but maybe next year yes (sighs) i think i think Man, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but yeah, I definitely think the Celtics can find somebody that when it's all said and done five years from now, especially when LeBron may not be in the league or may not be as great um, or as efficient, they will have they can find somebody who will be much better than where Isaiah Thomas will be five years from now. Okay, so speaking of the Celtics, this brings us to our next topic. Sucks to suck. All right, so you have a good, I think, sucks to suck topic for us uh, this week. Go ahead and share it with the people what you're thinking, Deuce. All right, so we were just talking about, obviously, Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics. So this week up on the sucks to suck, it's got to be the Celtics fans. And here's why. It's got to suck to simply be confident at your job. Like, no matter how many hours you put in on your craft or, you know, for development and just to, like, try to brainstorm things and whatnot, you know, deep down in your heart, you're just good. You're just going to be good enough. Like, regardless of how many hours you spend at work, you're just going to be good enough. Like, nothing more, nothing less. People will always refer to you as, you know, oh, that guy's really gritty or he's, you know, he's a, he's a grinder. He, he works really hard. He's a diligent worker. Sneaky uh, athletic. Yeah, he's a t- he's intelligent, um, but nobody will ever refer to you as a talented one, the brilliant, the genius one, uh, the innovative guy. Um, and you know, it's got to be a horrible feeling, especially when you're passionate about it. And that's you know, that's just the way it is sometimes. And imagine being hired to do a job though, and know like, at some point, you know, you're going throughout your day trying to be productive, and then all of a sudden it hits you, like, oh, my ceiling has been reached. Like the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> it has been reached. <laughs> that's that's the Celtics right now, man. Honestly, I feel like that's their entire roster. Honestly, I think the entire Celtics roster has peaked. The Celtics, you know, they gave it their all this past year and became number one seed um, of the East just to get embarrassed by LeBron and the Cavs at this point. I mean, those first two games were ugly. 
and Kyrie made them look really silly on yesterday. Like if I don't know if you saw on ESPN, but this morning I saw when LeBron went out with the four fouls in the second quarter. From that point up until the end of the third quarter, Kyrie scored thirty-three. The Celtics only scored thirty-six. <laughs> you let you let one man pretty much keep up with you for the most part. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know, man. I think Boston has done well with all the draft picks, but at the end of the day, that's why I think you know drafts it's, it's just pure luck. Like they have all those guys through you know drafting them or acquiring them through trades and whatnot, and I think they've all kind of reached their ceiling. I mean. You mean to tell me Boston, with all those picks, couldn't find two or three guys that couldn't keep them from losing by 40 points or more twice? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, that's that's got to that's gotta suck to be so close but so far away because you have a roster full of competent but not talented, excellent, brilliant, you know, innovative guys. That's, that's kind of their roster right now. All they need is two, maybe – three guys to have a chance at taking down LeBron. And they don't they don't have that right now. And yes, that means I'm saying Isaiah Thomas, IT for himself, is purely competent and he has peaked. He's five nine and you know, he wasn't in the MVP talks. Um he had some games where he put a big numbers throughout the season and whatnot, had a couple big moments in the playoffs. But as soon as teams, you know, watched film and had time to really break them down, they were able to figure out what they wanted to do. I mean, that was clear. First series against the Bulls. Send a double team at him and he's done. And guess what? Isaiah's issue isn't an issue that you can just go out and fix over the offseason. No, his issue is something that's going to be stuck with him the rest of his life. He's, he's small. He's short. And unless he's going to somehow develop to grow 8 to 12 more inches, he's just going to continue to be that competent point guard that, hey, is really good for Boston. But I don't know how great he'd be, you know, for other teams. I think, I think honestly, this entire roster for the Celtics has reached their peak. And that's got to suck to be a Celtics fan because right now they're feeling themselves in the conference finals. You know, got the number one seed. You got a brilliant coach. And then your players are just okay. They're just good enough to get you number one in the East. But guess what? That's only because LeBron didn't care about being number one. And you see what happens when LeBron cares. You get 40-piece. No fries or drink. (laughs) Yeah. No, you know I agree with you on that. Um, You mentioned the word embarrassed. And we should push on that a little bit. So do you think that the Celtics fans or the organization feels like they've been embarrassed? Or do you feel like they are, like they, they should be embarrassed? So they lost game one against the Cavaliers, 117 to 104 in Boston. They lost game two against the Cavaliers in Boston, 130 to 86. That was a big blowout that it was like 72 to 31 at halftime. And then game three, Celtics won by four points. No, sorry, by three points on an Avery Bradley three-pointer at the buzzer that bounced around the rim and finally went in after the buzzer. And then game four, as you mentioned, Kyrie Irving was just like majestic last night, really. And the Cavaliers won 112-99. to So do you really feel like that qualifies as an embarrassment? I mean, I just – they, they yes. were leading in the if last you, two if games. You, if you lose by 30 or more – and basketball, I mean, honestly, at 15 or more, really, and you're in the NBA, that means you're a professional athlete surrounded by other bunch of professionals, and you get 15 pieces by that or more, yeah. especially twice. Yeah, that that is embarrassing. Um, at home, I, know, that, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're at home and you're the Boston Celtics. Like at the very least, you think you had the luck of the Irish there with you, and yeah, that is embarrassing uh, to be a fan of that organization, to be a player of that organization, to get beat by that much. Those, uh, you know, for game one and two, that is completely embarrassing. But I think the issue right now that Boston Celtics fans are kind of facing and why it sucks to be them is for the simple fact, like, okay, you're going to have this draft class coming up where you have some really fortunate um, picks coming up. But at the end of the day, like, I truly believe the draft is just like a crapshoot. Like, you better hope that that kid works out to be as good as you think he is, as good as. All the people and analysts said that he was going to be, and they won't really know. And let's face it, whoever they draft, are they really going to make up the LeBron factor? <laughs> They're not going to put them over the edge against the Cavs and with LeBron being there. So I think it sucks to suck to be them because, let's face it, a lot of their guys that they have on their team are probably, like I said, have probably reached their peak or getting close to it. You're going to draft somebody who's going to take a few years to develop. And in the meantime, LeBron's going to keep on killing them and killing them. And then they got to worry about injuries and trades and managing salaries and stuff like that. So that'd be rough to be a Celtics fan. Yeah. So we mentioned this with uh, college, and I want to bring the topic up to the NBA. The way I think the Celtics could beat 
the Cavaliers over the next two, three years before LeBron retires could be to have like better role players than the Cavaliers, right? Like the Cavaliers' role players admittedly are very, very old, right? So J.R. Smith, uh, right. Channing Fry, Kyle Korver, who else? Uh, Mon Shumper, Darren Shumper. Williams. Like they're like all of them are at least 32 or above, right? And they've been in the league for at least 10 years. The Celtics should be able to like, get better role players and get guys to stick around. So like, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas. What if Isaiah Thomas says, I want to win so badly, I'll take less money. And we'll bring in another player that's good. So the question for you is this. As a coach, how hard is it to find like superb role players that are content with being role players? Um, I can't really speak on it for basketball because like football, everybody is a role player for the most part. Okay. Um, but I guess from my one year of coaching basketball, coaching middle school basketball, um, by the way, we were city champs. Um, I did produce a D1 talent in Andre Hollins. No big deal. Anyway, um, <laughs> getting off my high horse. That, that um, was all you. <laughs> Nobody else helped with that. That was all you. Nope. Nope. Coach Bogut had nothing to do with that. That was all me. Uh, I told him to put Andre on the team, and he did, and saw how Andre's doing um anyway shout out to andre hollins um but yeah but yeah uh to get back to answering your question i think with what the celtics have going on um you need two superstars in this current league you need two superstars and hopefully a guy who's all-star he's capable of being an all-star hit or miss on you know a couple votes here and there um and then you definitely need a deep bench and they like they have to be talented though you have to be a bunch of talented guys who have bought into like hey i'm gonna make my money in this league by being here for a lot of years just as a role player whether it be because of my defense or my shot blocking ability or because i can just go in and not screw up because that's that, people don't realize how big of a quality that is not being able to screw up i don't care what job what your job title is but just doing the job and then not screwing it up that is kind of a big deal i don't care what you're doing in life you said you need two superstars, and that got me to thinking about, you know, confidence and ego. Uh, remember that guy, what's his name, Jalen Brown for the Celtics last week, was talking trash to LeBron before mm-hmm. game two. And then yeah. LeBron goes out there and gives him 70 points in the first half. Like, so that's exactly what you're saying about having backup players. Just they can't get outside of themselves. You got to do what you got to do. Be consistent. And just keep it going. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like the role, the role of a you know role player isn't the life of a role player. I guess I should say isn't necessarily spectacular, and it's not something that a lot of people really strive to do. But you'd be surprised how often those guys are mentioned, you know, on ESPN, and they're able to get you know jobs after being an ESPN analyst. In the various works, I mean, those are some of the more brilliant guys that you can talk to, role players, because they understand the whole, and they're really good. At obviously, their role. Um, so, yeah, they don't get as much love, and obviously, nearly not enough, much enough money um, as the superstars and all stars. But role players are essential to winning a championship. In the words of Dwayne Johnson, our next president, know your role and shut your mouth. Get your brony. All right, moving on to our last topic for the day, heads or tails. Now, let's do a disclaimer slash warning to everybody on this. If you're an MJ fan, be prepared to chill out. If you're a LeBron, if you're a LeBron fan. Get excited. You, you, Get pumped no, up. No, 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 no. Oh, Negative. No, you definitely need to chill out. Like, don't come at me. In, well, come at me in the mentions and stuff on Twitter, but, like, as you're listening to this, chill out. So, heads or tails? MJ versus LeBron. Everybody's talking about it. That's all people really care to talk about. So, we're going to go ahead and get into it, too. Wait, Coach. You saying that you want to start a discussion about MJ versus LeBron? Yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, boy. Um, up to a certain degree. So, here we go. MJ versus LeBron. First of all, let me just go off by saying this. That debate needs to stop and end now. And no, it's not because LeBron is so dominant and so great. Here's the thing. 
we <laughs> both players played under a different set of rules during their time and I know a lot of times people will sit there and want to argue like well if Jordan played under these rules if LeBron played under like stop it let's screw all the you know hypothetical situations out there I'm tired of all the hypotheticals I'm tired of throwing out points per game and stuff like that all those crazy stats and whatnot the game has evolved like clearly both guys played under different types of NBA like one Jordan played in a more physical drive to the lane type of NBA LeBron is in the hands off to your guy shoot the three type of NBA but here's the thing both are and were with LeBron I guess in this situation uh, well were with Jordan uh, they're clearly the best of their time like can you can't even think of anybody that's close to being on Jordan's level back in his heyday. You can't think of anybody that's close to LeBron right now. So here's what we got to realize, though. Jordan won three straight twice. LeBron has been to the finals eight straight years. Both of those things are really impressive. But here's the thing. LeBron and Jordan are essentially two separate industries. Mm. And let me further explain that for you all. Jordan is Apple. What I mean by that is, when Jordan came to the league, yes, there were other computers out there. You had your, you know, your Dells and uh, HPs and stuff like that, probably. Jordan came in as an Apple product. A lot of people didn't like the fact that he wasn't wearing the Converse. He had the Nike shoes. He even got fined for it. Nobody had seen anybody that could take off like Jordan did and just hang in the air and do it with so much style and grace the way Jordan did. Jordan, like Apple when it first came out, was something that was new and cool definitely creative people liked it because of a brand recognition thing it was just something special about jordan that people kind of recognized it was different the same way with apple and he was able to take over that market of basketball and just be the greatest ever same way apple is kind of right now for computers i mean if you go out there and you want to buy a computer most millennials especially would say oh i want to go if i could afford a computer it would definitely be a macbook an apple product so on the other hand though we have lebron LeBron is Amazon. He is not a Dell. He is not an HP or some other competing computer. A completely separate industry LeBron is in. LeBron is Amazon. What I mean by that is Amazon is a very versatile website. You can go in there and get some shopping done for grocers. You can get some books. You can buy clothes. You can just you can literally buy anything. Heck, you can even watch TV on Amazon with with the Prime account. You can watch movies and shows and everything. That's how versatile Amazon is. Very much like LeBron. Whereas like LeBron great defender great passer and when he wants to take over and be a scorer he can definitely do that as well especially this year his shooting has improved amazon has taken over multiple industries because of how great it is like it's knocking on the doors of you know the fedexes of the worlds and obviously the walmarts and other companies that are you know driven off of making sure consumers come to the store well now amazon is kind of taking over being able to just hey boom click click here and there type it up you can have it all done online. And that's just very much so the way like LeBron is. I mean, there's nothing that LeBron isn't really good at. I mean, obviously his free throw shooting could be improved and his overall shooting and aggressiveness and personality and his passive aggressiveness, like that could be worked on. That's just getting a little nitpicky uh, by me. But at the end of the day, it's not overly complicated. LeBron is really efficient and brilliantly run just like Amazon is. He does a good job taking care of his body. He's very efficient out there on the court. Amazon is an efficient company, and they're brilliantly run. They're always coming out with some new innovative stuff. But you know what? You all didn't listen to this podcast for me to debate. Well, for me not to debate MJ and LeBron. So you know what? Screw it. Let's get in. That's why we play sports. We play sports to, one, be just like our idol, but even more so because we want to be better than our idol. So you know what? Let's debate. So here we go. So LeBron clearly has more athleticism and versatility than Jordan. Like, I, I will easily admit that. So, you want to sit there and keep score? Athleticism, LeBron. However, though, Jordan is the better basketball player. Like, let's, let's, not, let's not boo on that one. I think everybody can agree. Jordan is a better basketball player. He was more skilled than LeBron will ever be. He's also craftier than LeBron with the ball. He can find multiple ways to score in an ISO situation. LeBron is kind of a dip-the-shoulder type of guy and then, bam, try to get to the lane, or he's going to shoot his fadeaway. That's that's LeBron's offensive game for the most part, if he's not looking to try to pass it. 
And that's just him. LeBron, like I said, he just he relies on his powerfulness and his explosiveness to get to the rim. And with the current NBA rules, it allows him to excel the way he does. Now, I'm not saying this to take away from his greatness because there are a couple players with his physique that aren't scoring at a will like him, like Iguodala, Kawhi, like just to name a couple guys who have LeBron's size and probably somewhat close to his, you know, speed and other things like that. They're not doing what LeBron does. So it does make it special what LeBron's doing. But let's face it here. When you think of LeBron and what makes him so great, it's probably two things. His passing and his defense. Am I right? Yeah. Am I crazy here? Yeah, you're right. So I think we can all agree that Jordan is the better basketball player. Like when Jordan wanted to pass, hey, he can pass with the best. I'm not the way LeBron does. I'll give LeBron the upper hand on that. Yeah, he's got that. But Jordan, definitely a better defender. Yes, LeBron can guard more positions. You're out of your mind. LeBron can guard more positions, but that does not make him a better defender. Okay. I know that sounds crazy. Because you're like, well, he can guard every position. Yes. So what? You can guard every position, but you're not necessarily great at guarding guards the way that Jordan was. Jordan won Defensive Player of the Year awards. He was on all, you know, all first team all defense for the NBA and stuff. So I think Jordan, I think we can all agree, Jordan is the better basketball player. Like, if you put Jordan up against LeBron in a one-on-one situation where they couldn't pass the ball to anybody and they had to guard each other and it's just them, Amano Imano, Jordan is going to win that game. I'm not saying he's going to blow him out. So don't sit here and listen to this. I know you sitting right there right now out there as a LeBron fan like, yo, you stupid son of a gun. Like, what are you talking about? Shut up. LeBron would just straight kill him. You talking like LeBron ain't going to get no points. No, I'm not saying LeBron ain't going to get no buckets. I'm saying LeBron going to get his buckets. But you know, going to get more buckets than LeBron, MJ, the GOAT. Let me say it again, the GOAT, greatest of all time. So, Jordan, upper hand on overall basketball player. So right now we're tied 1-1. LeBron, athleticism, Jordan just being an overall better basketball player. So now let's talk legacy. I think legacy is a very tricky thing to kind of talk about. Um, so I'm going to try to do it as best I can. So Jordan, I feel like, took the NBA to another level of brand recognition and just took endorsing to another level as well. I mean, like I don't remember, at least from my research, I haven't seen anybody just really affect the NBA the way Jordan did from a brand from a branding standpoint and getting out there to other countries across the world, um, across season and um, whatnot, the way that Jordan did. And then just you talk about endorsement deals. I mean, I think Jordan for basketball was kind of the first guy to really take advantage of, you know, getting signed by Gatorade and Nike and all types of other uh, companies out there. And not to mention, like, his shoe is its own thing now. Like, the Jordan brand is up there among shoe companies. Um, that's kind of where we're at that. And then, it's like, look at Jordan. He competed at every waking moment. He did the slam dunk competition. We never got a chance to see LeBron do that. And then, you know, he... Did obviously his USA stuff, which LeBron did as well. But here's the thing that like was so crazy to me: Jordan had a clause in his contract where he could go and play pickup ball at any point, and he was still gonna get his money from the Bulls if he got hurt. Like, how insane is that? Like, CJ, do you think LeBron would have that in his contract? Do you think like LeBron is looking to compete that much? Uh, is there any evidence that Jordan actually went to play pickup ball? Like, just in the hood, just like he wasn't ever doing that. I mean, I don't know, like, but I know I heard a story that when he was recording Space Jam, he had them build a half court on the set so he could play. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was having, you know, pickup games at his house or something where guys were coming over or whatnot. I mean, I just honestly would not be surprised to hear um, at some point about that. But But we've seen LeBron play against like kids at his different camps and everything like that. And LeBron definitely does play in some of those summer leagues he has in the past. I don't count those things. Those things are to sell money for charities. Um, he's not taking it serious. But here's the other thing, part of the legacy. So, has there ever been? Was there ever a moment when Jordan, you know, when the game is on the line, did you think somebody else was going to take the shot? Uh, yeah. You really thought the Bulls were designing a play they had. for some? Yes. For, with the game on the line. The game-winning shot against Craig Elo in the Utah Jazz that Jordan took was supposed to go to another player on the Bulls. Jordan stole the ball. Jordan literally stole the ball from his teammate and took the shot. But the play was not designed for him. There are multiple you, There are multiple. And that's, and like that's why he's a GOAT. And that's why he's a freaking GOAT. Is he selfish? I don't understand. That's not a – okay, wrap it up, well, B. Because, because he wants to be able to sit there and take the challenge of taking the game-winning shot. Okay. Like, I think we saw, especially in these last two games, 
Like, LeBron is very passive when it comes down to the end of the game. Like, now don't get me wrong here. LeBron will make the best basketball play. But honestly, this is just me personally. I don't care so much about the best basketball play being made out of my best player, especially when you're an offensive threat the way both of those guys are. I think I'd rather have somebody with the mindset of Jordan who's out there trying to take the game-winning shot on his own instead of relying on Kyrie Irving or some other person to take the shot. Not that Kyrie's a bad option, but I'm just saying, like, Jordan wasn't looking for Pippen to take the game-winning shot the way that LeBron tries to do so for Kyrie at times. I mean, that's just kind of the way I feel about it. And I think when you kind of look at that from a legacy standpoint, I think Jordan has the upper hand. And I think you also have to look at championships. I mean, let's face it. Would we be having these discussions if LeBron didn't have, what, three rings, right? He's got three rings. Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would we be having this discussion right now if LeBron was going for number one? No, we wouldn't. We're talking about him getting close to Jordan because he has a few rings now. Jordan has the upper hand on rings right now. He's got six. LeBron has three. So I think ultimately, I think LeBron will eventually catch Jordan and surpass his legacy. Like, I would be very disappointed and shocked, honestly. Actually, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be, actually, I'd be ecstatic about it. I'd be really happy. Um, but I'd be surprised, honestly, if LeBron didn't get enough rings to surpass Jordan, and then he can be, have the title of being the GOAT. And I know what you're sitting there thinking, well, Kobe's got five. That's more than LeBron. Well, Kobe is another computer. He's in the computer industry with Jordan. So he wasn't even able to surpass Jordan on that in that industry. So there's no way in the world he can even try to even match up with LeBron from there. But there are some people out there that would like to argue that Kobe is actually ahead of LeBron. That's false. That's false. I would I would agree, I would agree with you there. Um but I think right now Jordan is still the GOAT. LeBron is close. And he's and he should, honestly, I think but when it's all said and done, LeBron should be considered the GOAT if he goes out there and he wins these titles. You you've been I've been very surprised of how quiet you've been this entire time I've been talking because like I know a lot of people are passionate about individual players. Like my brother loves some Westbrook, and if this would have been like me talking about Westbrook, he would not have been this quiet. I know people that love like Allen Iverson that wouldn't have been this quiet about certain things with Allen Iverson. Um, obviously, I wouldn't have been this quiet if you were talking about Jordan. Like I know you got something to say. What, what is it? <laughs> okay, so. I think you're full of crap <laughs> about this thing. I think what it is is that like you really love Jordan, and that's fine. You have like an emotional attachment to him, and that's totally okay. I understand it. Please, Deuce, get some help. Uh, get you and Jordan need to get somewhere together in Vegas or in North Carolina and get a room and just have your weekend together. I don't think North Carolina would appreciate that. Probably not after HP two and everything. But anyway, all right, so. There are many, many ways we can measure how great LeBron is compared to uh, Jordan. And I've gone through, I think, on this podcast before, the different rosters. So I won't do that today. I want to just point out a few things. If you look at VORP, value over replacement players, which measures uh, a player's marginal utility, right? So if you replace LeBron or Jordan in their rosters and put in just a replacement player, the warp will tell you how much better, you know, LeBron or Jordan are over that replacement, who was like an average level player, right? LeBron's warp is 115. MJ's 104. So that means that LeBron is like 10 points higher on like value to a team than MJ. And this is over the, their entire careers. Alright? So that's one. What was that? I'm just throwing up six in the number oh of rings God. that Jordan has. That's all. Okay. So you mentioned legacy. You mentioned what what Jordan did for his brand. Yeah, everyone knows Jordan brand, but realistically, like, and yeah, he did Space Jam. Yeah, he has the Hanes t-shirts. Yeah, he's known as, like, an NBA, like, owner now. But LeBron actually has created brands, not only for him, but for like, his team, his friends. Yes. Jordan was not in the league and had his agency signing other players in the same league. I don't ever remember a, a time where Jordan was telling his team, oh, this is my client, Tristan Thompson. You're going to sign him to this massive contract. Jordan never did that. In fact, the Bulls often told Jordan, no, you're not going to get your favorite players on this team. 
because we know better basketball than you. I think people will understand that like LeBron's a better basketball mind and a better business mind than LeBron, than Jordan. I've never seen anybody say Jordan paid for their entire city to go to college, but LeBron has. All right, that's number two. Number three, you, you said legacy, you said brand. That's part of it. That's part of it. All right, number yeah, two. Yeah, I think it's part of it. I just, I don't know if I would want to throw philanthropy work out there as a part of like their brand for 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 basketball purposes. Okay. I was speaking solely for basketball purposes. Like the thing about Tristan Thompson being a client, I would include that a part of LeBron's legacy. Like that is phenomenal that LeBron has been able to get his own agency and to have other NBA players as his client and be able to bring them on. Like, hey, hats off to you for taking the chance and on doing that and being successful with it. All right. So, and then you mentioned uh, the last part you mentioned about LeBron being passive or at the end of games going to Scottie Pippen. I mean, going to Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think think part of that is because, like I said earlier, LeBron isn't as great of a basketball player like from a creative standpoint, as Jordan was. So his part of it is, hey, I'm a really good passer and I can see things ahead of time. So that is his creativity as opposed to Jordan's like, no, I'm creative with the ball in my hand and I can make you miss, you make you miss, take the contact and finish it on you. That's such crap. LeBron is a way better basketball player. Jordan might be a better personal one-on-one scorer, but LeBron is a way better basketball player. Part of basketball is passing and playing defense. LeBron is better at both of those things than Jordan. And if you look at their teams, Jordan always had way better help than LeBron has. Everyone that watches basketball for more than five minutes understands that Scottie Pippen is a top 20 player of all time. In fact, his warp, all right, is 69, all right? That's even after he's, like, left the league. He's still above. He's number 18 on that list, above players that we know and love today. All right, so his value over replacement is even a way above that of like current all stars. Scotty Pippen's is. It should be. Scotty was a hell of a player. He was one of the best defenders in the league and one of the best shooters while he was in the league. Guess what Kyrie Irving's value over over a replacement player number is? Just guess. Twenty two. Go down. It's sixteen. So this thing is telling you that Scotty Pippen is at least doubly as good on the court as Kyrie Irving. So when you say that, oh, Jordan never passed to, like, Scotty, like, okay, that's kind of, that's false because Scotty was number three in MVP voting in the year that Jordan took off to play basketball. And we know we know for a fact that Scotty was getting buckets because he's in the Hall of Fame and he's top 18 in VORP. I would like to see what Kyrie's warp is when his career's over with. Like, let's not forget Kyrie for his first couple of years was injury prone. So we're working off a small sample size for Kyrie. So the warp argument isn't going to impress me. Okay, sure. Okay, you can do that, right? But was there ever a time where Scottie Pippen was the best player on the team? When Jordan retired. Okay. I'm, <laughs> so you t- no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we, we can, if you want to go, it's like when Jordan retired and when Scottie played after that, we can go there. But like, I mean, obviously yes, when he, and obviously yes, when Scotty played for the Trailblazers. Okay, but what is it that during that time Scotty Pippen did to wow us? Like when he was playing for the Trailblazers, Scotty never averaged more than uh, I think ten points per game. No, oh, sorry, twelve points per game. That was his highest average points per game. When he was with the Bulls, though, he was averaging constantly twenty, or 21, 18 points per game. So obviously yeah. he's like a way better player than I mean, we can discount it any way you want to, but like clearly Scottie's a way better player on that Bulls team than is Kyrie Irving. LeBron is sharing the brunt of everything on that team, and we know Kyrie's liability defensively. We know that, and Scottie was not a liability defensively ever. Very true, very true. Yes, I'm not saying that Kyrie's a better player than Pippen. No, I know. I think he's a. I think, I think he's a better offensive threat than Pippen was. I don't know. I disagree. I don't know. That 42 points last night got me thinking otherwise. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I, I think that like when he needs to, Uncle Drew can light it up, right? I mean, he he is good. You can't deny that, right? Right. Now, I understand what you're saying about how like LeBron does lean on him quite a bit, but that's because LeBron is smart, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, I think LeBron 
is just a product of this generation and sure. a lot of the things that go along with being a millennial and part of this generation, a lot of the characteristics and personality traits. Um, you say LeBron is soft because he's a millennial? No, I didn't say. See, you're putting words in my mouth. Like, but it's interesting that you thought that he was that you thought I thought he was soft. I mean, must mean that you think he's partially soft too. Um, anyway, well, <laughs> we probably should wrap it up. We're getting getting uh, close to our limit on time. I want to leave you with one last stat: Scottie Pippen's career field goal percentage, forty-seven. Kyrie Irving, forty-five. Yeah, I don't like again. Those type of numbers are slightly irrelevant to me. I think they're important, but when you're talking legacy, Le- LeBron is going to eventually be the goat. It's just he's not there yet. Because let's face it, even if he does lose against the Warriors this year, say for instance he just doesn't win a title ever again, and it's not so much because the Warriors are out there winning. He just doesn't win against whoever it is. Are we still going to be having this argument over whether or not he's the goat? Because once you're the goat, you're you're the. There's no going down from being the goat while you're still playing so we i think we're we can't give him this title of goat until he's done so until he's done or at least he's gotten six or seven rings we can't be out here giving him the title all right well that's where we gotta leave it so that was a a fun field episode 22 of a coach and the lawyer and uh i guess we'll see y'all next time yeah most definitely